Welcome to College Football Roundtable, your source for college football coverage, including major storylines, playoffs, can't miss game previews, and picks each week. Join your hosts, Dan, Rob, and Jordan at the roundtable for a show unlike anything else. As for Football presents the College Football Roundtable. So it's the holiday season. Welcome back. Uh, we've taken a couple weeks off, which is good. It's kind of refreshing to take a breather, stretch your legs out, and uh, not have to do some uh, high-speed analysis of college football. I know Dan took a break from the socials for a bit as well. Saw your article today, so if you haven't, cheap plug, read that. But uh, the other part of it is, is like sometimes it's nice just to get away, particularly like the way that the season ended for Army. Uh, it was great. Yeah. Very, very positive note, but I'm looking forward to the semifinal games. And I think the most significant gift given in college football was to the Alabama Crimson Tide by allowing them into the college football playoff when you had a 13-0 undefeated uh, Florida State team. And uh, that's the equivalent of a college football lump of coal. Welcome, Pack Trash Talkers, to the College Football Roundtable, or if you prefer, you can call it Ring Knocker Radio. I'm your host, Rob. In Fayetteville, North Carolina, we got Dano Ikebesa on to you from coastal connecticut and trigger joe is live from the home of the big house guys we'll pause really quick recap your holidays and then we'll dive into the rest of the show joe how about you oh man it was a beautiful holiday i actually i got a giant family up here and i was able to see as many of them as i possibly could have and uh just had a great holiday with the wife and kids it's christmas and michigan is still playing in games that mean something and the detroit lions are the king of the norse so I'm thankful for that. And uh, not that the rest of these bowl games don't have meaning, but I think that it's okay that we all talk about it openly with the fact that we're dealing with some seriously watered down rosters at this point in these early bowl games. I'm more than happy to get into some of the games, but they're definitely tough to call. As I wrote, as I wrote this, 6-6 six and six, Virginia Tech was laying the smackdown on 11-2 Tulane. And uh, the Hokies were a 12-point favorite at kickoff. If that doesn't tell you they both weren't playing with the original rosters, then you're just not paying attention. But uh, I digress, boys. How was your holidays? Uh, awesome break for me, but incredibly busy, too. I got both my kids at home back from college. And that's a treat. Like, it's awesome, you know, having the house full and full of life and stuff. But after months of being empty nesters and basically setting our own schedules, the madness of the holidays has been like, go, 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 go. So I've been skiing twice. Spent a decent amount of time in the weigh room. Uh, the pool heater broke, so I haven't been in the water in about 10 days. I, I did freeze my nuts off once. Uh, but I've barely watched any college football. I did catch uh, the end of Air Force JMU on the radio uh, in the middle of doing stuff. I could not believe that Air Force whooped them that badly. Like, I was good showing for Air Force. Yeah, but, but you know, good for the Zoomies. And you're right. Like, that's no coach. I don't know who else JMU was missing, but that was not the James Madison that rolled through the season still a good win for the zoomies, but, um, yeah, like, like also, like you said, crazy and all these, all these bowl games, you're not necessarily watching the teams that played through the season. And in many cases, not even the coaching staffs. Yeah. That, that's a very true statement. There's been a lot of movement around here. I mean, people are excited. Duke Manny Diaz is coming to, uh, Duke. We'll see what happens. Like, like he's going to have some tough shoes to fill, you know, because the, the coach here, you know, I think he was like 26 and three or 26 and four, something like that. Pretty successful coach in a short stint. Yeah. And he's moved on. 
Now you got Manny Diaz, and we know how his last uh, head coaching job went. He ended up being a defensive coordinator because it was not so great. Anyway, uh, our holidays, super simple. Kept it close with the family. Enjoyed uh, the time with the wife and the kids. And uh, just chill, man. And, you know, I think my last act was watching the first half of Army-Navy, and that kind of took the the wind out of my sails as far as uh, wanting to do things with other people for the holidays. It's just like, let me stay in my four walls and a roof. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was pretty much it for us. We've got a, you know, we're going to have a couple get-togethers for our New Year's Eve, as always, but uh, definitely peeping in on those uh, New Year's Six Bowls because I think those are going to be the more exciting contest because I think more people are going to stay and play. And there's some marquee players that are have decided to to kind of suit up for these uh for these New Year's Six games. But without further ado, if you like Ask for Football and want to support the coverage of Army Sports and the American Football Conference, we could use your help through Patreon. Go to patreon.com at askforfootball dot or forward slash ask for football to learn more. There are links on there are links on the website. At the yearling level, you get weekly games and locks. At the Cal level, you get uh that plus our scouting report and at the first day club level you get access to our exclusive club called the first day club which is our facebook group for our top level patrons it's the best place to talk about army army football and just college football in general because we're all super fans we try very very hard to keep it positive it's a private group so whatever you say stays in there Versities get access to live recordings like this one so they can interact with us during the show. We spent a lot of money over the past year to improve the show we are now on StreamYard. we're using podcastle ai to improve sound quality and We've got regular recording time so folks can join us live. All that stuff takes time and money. This is why we need your support. So, again, if you are interested in supporting the show, go to patreon.com forward slash as for football. Now we're going to dive into the semifinal preview. We've got bowl games coming up. These are the ones that, that matter, I guess. I mean, I guess if you're a smaller school, the, the bowl games matter for you because it gives you an opportunity to showcase your team on national television, helps with recruiting, all those good, all that good stuff. But these are the ones that we are going to separate the pretenders from the contenders. So uh, let's dive into uh, the semifinal game. So we'll start with the number one team. Joe, what can you tell us about the University of Michigan? Uh, the list of what I can is shorter, but um, I can't tell you the shirt. It says back to back to back and i like that part about it big 10 champions anyways they uh you know 13 and all didn't really stumble this season you know ohio state gave them the game that i thought they would um their last game was against iowa in the big 10 championship won 26 nothing there and i think they had it on about third or fourth gear for most of the game uh the other notables were against penn state and ohio state uh, strength of schedule wasn't great this year. They were 47th, uh, but they had numerous quality wins of 20-plus points uh, that put them in the driver's seat. Um, they have the number two total defense in the country, allowing just 239.2 a game. Um, they have the 66th-ranked total offense, averaging about 380 a game, and that's a, that's really balanced. And they like to go with the hot hand in those games as I've watched them all. It's Depending on which one of the three-headed monster hits you, they, that's who they roll with. So, uh, having read that stat line, I do have some thoughts, and um, I'm going to get labeled a homer here and the obvious picker, but I've been very objective in Michigan games based on who I think is going to win. Um, and I believe Michigan finally gets it done over um, an Alabama team that I think a lot of people are thinking is going to upset them. Um, at least I've heard a lot of that. Um, I think they get it done with defense and just get one more stop than Alabama gets on them. 
Um, I think this is the year that having the best quarterback going into the game is actually going to be in Michigan's favor, even though Jalen uh, Milrow, um, he has a hot hand right now and has looked very good in his last two victories. Um, I have seen him do some wild things with the football when he's heated up, and I've seen him make some mistakes that J.J. McCarthy was making two years ago. Um, I think McCarthy is dialed in, and this is the game he's been waiting for. Um, this is the game where he stood and watched the other team celebrate twice now, two years in a row. And uh, I think he has this Tom Brady moment against Alabama, and I think the Wolverines win by the same score they beat Ohio State. I think they can get it done 30-24 to 24 in an absolute thriller that a lot of people are discrediting how much defense they're going to see on both sides. There's multiple draft picks going in the NFL in the first two rounds on Alabama's defense. And uh, Michigan's kind of a total unit defense led by a five foot nine captain. They just all do their job. So um, I think they confuse Milrow enough to get a couple of turnovers and they don't get two turnovers, get, give up two turnovers against TCU and they're playing in the national title last year. So um, I think they erase those turnovers and get it done. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what version of J.J. McCarthy shows up, you know, because, again, like he should, he's a year in, he's a lot more mature, so he should be the better quarterback. He should be the better of the two, right? He should be the better of the two. Now, you know, whether or not that play turns out on the field, and like you said, J like, look, Jalen Milrow, that guy's a, a monster. Like, there are NFL scouts that are salivating at that dude because he he runs very, very similar to Lamar Jackson. But one of the drawbacks to Lamar Jackson as a pro is he gets injured a lot, right? So, like, he's good for college football. We'll see what happens. I think it'll be a good matchup. Moving on to the number two team, and I'll take number two and three and then kick it over to Dan for Bama since he is the the, the Bama homer, even though he's like a resident SEC. For sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you got to – yeah, you'd, uh, you know, they're 13 and 0. Their last win was in the Pac 12 championship against Oregon. Notable wins again was Oregon times two and then USC before they started slipping. Like before USC started losing those games, they lost to, to uh, Washington. They were number 32 in the strength of schedule this year, but they had a lot of close games, which probably kept them out of the number one spot. Honestly, that's probably why they're number two. Uh, the number two place has been a trend for them as well because the number two Heisman vote getter was uh, Michael Penix Jr., and he was second in the Heisman voting. UW has the 90th total defense in the country, allowing 396.9 yards a game, so 397 yards a game. And if you've watched enough Pac-12 deep or Pac-12 football, that you know defense is like that's an afterthought. Like I'm trying to hang 60 on you. Whoever gets to 60 points first is usually the one that wins the game. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens. But they do have the number 12 offense in total offense in the in the country. Bottom line is like. Number two and number three, and I'll roll right into Texas after this, but, like, that game is definitely going to be a quarterback matchup. Whichever quarterback plays the cleanest game between Washington and Texas, the defenses are about even. The offenses are about even. You know, the the only difference is Rome Aduze. Like, he is a much better wide receiver than most of the guys on the other side of the field for Texas, and that guy tends to be the X factor in there. And one of the things that you're going to see this season or towards, especially in the bowl games with these bigger teams is if it comes to a, like a fourth and short scenario, people have been running toss sweeps and running outside, which has been interesting because like the Bush push is kind of falling out of favor because people are starting to figure out how to defend it a lot better than uh, just like a toss sweep. And so you saw Michael Penix lead, do a lead block in the, the uh, was it? the Washington state game on like fourth and two, and it completely changed the, the the complexion of the game. So 
quarterback play is going to matter. I think it's going to matter through all four of these teams, but I think particularly in the matchup against Texas and uh, Washington. So moving on to Texas, Texas is 12-1. Their last win was against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 Championship. Other notable wins were against Bama in Week 2, uh, Kansas, number 24, and number 23, Kansas State. Both of those are solid teams in the Big 12, but uh, by comparison, you know, not uh, the same world beaters as some of the other competition that some of the other teams have seen. Uh, their notable loss was to number 12 Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry or shootout, whichever you prefer. If you're before 2000, it's the shootout. If you're after 2000, it's the rivalry. <laughs> but uh, they were number 17 in strength of schedule this year, but they had a lot of close games that also uh, that also kept them out of number one spot. You know what I mean? So they're kind of sitting in the same area as UW as far as uh, strength of schedule and performance overall. Uh they were number 23 in total defense. They had 321.7 yards, which is pretty respectable for a Big 12 team, to be honest, because Big 12, they're usually, you know, between 400 and 450 a game. So having under 400 yards in total defense is embarrassing for any other league in college football. But in the Big 12, that's actually a solid stat. Uh, they have number nine total offense with 475.9 yards per game. Uh, the biggest issue right now, honestly, going into this game is if Quinn Ewers gets hurt, you're looking at Arch Manning, you know, as the number two quarterback. Unless something happened, you know, in the time that they've had off, you know, they haven't gotten any new guys in the portal. The number two quarterback for uh, Texas transferred out, so that means Arch Manning is the number two. And if something happens in that game, not to say that Washington's defense is that stiff, but if something does happen to Quinn Ewers, that will be a big, huge question mark on whether or not Arch Manning is ready for prime time. But I will pause there and pass it over to Dano to run down the number four team in the country, University of Alabama. Well, first off, before we get into that, here's looking for the uh, legend of Arch Manning to start at, in the bowl game. That would be wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Bama, their last win obviously was over Georgia in the SEC championship. They are 12 and 1. Uh, notable wins over number 11, Ole Miss, number 25, Tennessee, number 13, LSU, number one, Georgia. And just to show you how good this team was down the stretch, you know, people were talking about Tennessee as like one of the elite teams, and they beat the freaking breaks off the ball so badly that after that game, nobody was talking about Tennessee. It was kind of amazing. Uh, notable losses, obviously, they lost to number three Texas on September 9th. Um, I think anybody that watched Bama play will tell you that they are a very different team now than they were at the start of the season. I mean, they were also in a tight game against South Florida. Go figure. But they have the number three strength of schedule this year, and they're in the SEC. And unless something changes, the SEC is going to be one of the toughest conferences in college football, if not the toughest conference. Uh, Alabama has the number 18 total defense in the country, allowing 313 yards per game. They also have the number 53 total offense with 401.2 yards per game. You know, I don't know how it's going to go, but I, you know, they've been there, they've done that, and I tend to think that that counts for a lot in these situations. Michigan's the only other team in this this year that can say that. So it's interesting and, and sort of a shame that they're going to play first because I think that would have been the most interesting finale. I agree. And I, yeah. I think that uh, I, I think that the two best teams left or yeah. are, are playing each other and i think the third best team is sitting home sorry i don't i don't mean to be the the buzz killington of the party but i i feel like georgia is easily one of the best four teams in the country 
Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, maybe there was no way that there's no way that they were going to do that. I mean, it's just not the way. Yeah. Took, yep. But that's that's not necessarily yep. wrong. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and that, and that's a tragedy of it all is because again, like with with a limited number of slots, and again, like I don't understand how in less than ten years we've gone to the same discussions that we were having with the BCS with the college football playoff. I mean, it's the same result. It's the exact same result, right? Like, like we complained about the BCS, all the computer sucks. They use strength the schedule. What are these guys looking at? Why are we looking at the coaches poll? You know, we look at all these different factors that factored into the BCS and like, hey, we're going to come up with a playoff because a playoff will make it so much simpler and easier. And guess what? Here we are on, you know, December 27th, yeah. 2023, complaining about the playoff because of decisions that the committee made that the fans would not have made. And I think that's really what it boils down to is it's not about the, you know, it's not about the diehards are going to support their team. Like there's no mistake that like Joe's going to support Michigan regardless. You know what I mean? And that's okay because that's what the fan bases are there for. But the reality of it is, is when a team is like Georgia or a team is like Florida state or, you know, even Ohio state, like you could all make the argument for those teams to be somewhere in that top four. Yeah. You know, the argument is very, very easy so it doesn't simplify it by any stretch of the imagination by comparison to the BCS. I mean, at least at the BCS, you can blame it on the computer. And then there's not a panel of people that get, you know, bombed on social media and talks crap to the whole time, you know, cause there've been some serious multi melt, emotional meltdowns because of the college football bowl committee being trolled by uh, thousands of people on the, uh, the interwebs. But, uh, Let's talk about who's going to be in the championship game. Uh, my call, you know, after sitting and thinking about it, I still think it's going to be Bama and Washington. I think Bama is the best second-half team in the country. I give credit where credit is due. I think, you know, Michigan is a solid team, but I think their year for winning was last year, and they lost to TCU, to be completely honest. But uh, I would like to see – I'd like to see Washington in the final, and I think that's more wishful thinking than it is anything else because I think when it comes to running game, Texas has a much better running game than Washington does. So the easiest way to keep a guy as talented as Michael Penix Jr. off the field is to run the damn ball. You know, if I'm the coach, like, that's my game plan. It's like, hey, we're going to have a massive time of possession, you know, discrepancy, and we're going to make every play that Michael Penix Jr. has to make like a hero play. When every play is a hero play, he's going to make a mistake. He's going to put the ball on the turf or put it in the wrong hands, and that's going to be the difference in the game. However, I'm still going to call Bama and Washington. Over to you, Joe, for your thoughts on the final. Yeah, I'm going uh, completely opposite of Colonel Robb and what I initially called a knee-jerk reaction, but I can see he's sticking to his guns. Uh, I think it's going to be Michigan and Texas playing for the national title. Now, Michigan, Alabama, I would not be surprised to be wrong on that game. I've been a huge Michael Penix advocate all season too, but Quinn Ewers is no joke, and he is slinging the ball as good as he has all year for Texas. If you saw what they did to Oklahoma State, they absolutely made, embarrassed them. Like, they shouldn't even have been there. And uh, I just don't think Washington plays enough defense for an offense that can put, hang 50 on you in the blink of an eye like that. And I, I see Texas... Um, running away in a track meet where Washington just can't keep up. Um, I've already given my breakdown of the Michigan-Alabama game, but I believe Michigan's defense prevails. They are the best defense left in the playoffs. And um, Alabama doesn't have a number one anything on offense like they usually do at three different positions. They're, they're, they're a win-by-committee type of Alabama team, which is different than the, than the norm. Now, they got stars all over the place on defense, 
but they haven't really established a guy on offense that we've been looking for all season long. Uh, Milrow might be that guy, but he's just coming into that. And let's face it, he doesn't make a fourth and 31 miracle against Almer. We're not talking about this. Okay. So, um, I think this is Michigan's year to finally figure it out. And, um, I think it's going to be Michigan and Texas in a, I think it's going to be three phenomenal football games. I think all of them are going to be close within 10 points down to the wire. And, um, I think Michigan outlasts Alabama, and I see uh, Texas lighting up the scoreboard on Washington and Washington just not being able to hang with those points. That's fair. Yeah, so question for you, Joe. You don't have to answer it right now, or you don't have to answer sure. it at all. But what happens to Harbaugh if they win the Natty? Just think about that. Ooh, Anna, there's a, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I guess, listen. I, okay, so at the end of the day, people are mad that Bama made the playoff because I think a lot of people were afraid that they might win it, and folks are frustrated with the dynasty. And, you know, I listen, I picked them at the beginning of the year on the first podcast we did as my sleeper team, and I said it was nuts that nobody was talking about Bama, and here we are, right? They're, they're very much still in it. I got off to a rough start, played really good football down the stretch. Like, that. that's kind of what this season's for. I will say, however, that the Wolverines run the ball very well, and they have an excellent defense. And if you watch the Iron Bowl, like Auburn ran a very convincing, like zone read, rushing power, rushing attack right at and over Bama, and it was extremely impressive. Like that is honestly, that's what the Army offense is supposed to look like. Obviously, not with that with those caliber players, but. Ideally, that's what they're trying to achieve is something similar to the way that Auburn was running in that game. And Michigan does have the players to, like, mount that rushing attack and play defense. My gut tells me that Saban might find a way just because of the experience and because he's freaking Nick Saban. We just, we've seen him do, do it how many times? Um, so I guess if, if I had to make a guess, I would pick Bama versus Washington. But if you're Bama, I think you'd rather draw Texas just for the opportunity to shut people up with the rematch. You know, if 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 Bama somehow draws Texas and then wins it, there there's nothing to say. That's the end. So yeah. Anyway, yep. we'll see. Um, I, I that's not a strong lean towards Bama. That that that's more like I think it's going to be a close game that either of these teams can win. Yeah, I I, I think at the end of the day, I will say this the committee probably picked the four best teams to get the three best games. And that will probably be where I sit, not to say, you know, deserving or quality or whatever. I mean, that's the whole BCS discussion again, but I legitimately think like what they're trying to avoid is trying to avoid back-to-back -back years or three years in a row of like the final game or one of the semifinal games being so lopsided that people are tuning out at halftime. You know, and I think that's ultimately what drove the process that that when they made the decision, to be completely honest, because we all know college football is about dollars and cents. Like the the transfer portal has been on fire since like last week. Everybody has been, you know, because they had to sign commits by Wednesday of last week. You know, so by the twentieth, you had to commit if you're in the transfer portal for early recruiting or early uh, transfer into the school so you can be ready for spring ball. So you had a lot of guys that were announcing and committing way, way earlier. But back to the previous question, Joe, you've had some time to think about it. I know that uh, 
they presented Harbaugh with a 10-year, $125 million contract extension, but it locks him in for at least the 2024 season. And if you're a fan of college football, like if I'm if I'm Harbaugh, I'm saying no way on that and looking for another option or writing out my contract till the very end or whatever, because what I see them trying to do, and this is just my perspective as a guy that knows nothing about Michigan football, but it looks like the athletic director is setting him up for a fall. Because when you look at the schedule next year, they have a tough, tough schedule. They've got two of the they have two of the the four finalists in the on their schedule next year. So you got Washington, Texas, USC, Oregon, Ohio State, Penn State, and they don't get a week off before the Ohio State game. Like that literally is a schedule that is set up to 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 cause whomever the head coach of Michigan is to have one, potentially two losses before the Ohio State game. And so my thoughts are like, like if I was hardball, I would be like, hey, we got to renegotiate this thing because if I want to leave, I want to leave. You know, but what are your thoughts, Joe, as like the diehard Michigan fan on the show? You know, I don't know what his answer is going to be. And I got a, I got a feeling that the longer he waits on that, and he's probably waiting until after the season's done, but the longer he waits on that, the worse it is for Michigan to actually get his pen to paper. Um, I think Harbaugh will always have that um, want to to go back. And I tell you, if the Chicago Bears job opens up, forget about it. That's where he loves to. That's that's Chicago's his town. Um, that's where he played a good portion of his career. And uh, you know, I I worry that he does go. And with all the BS that's gone on this year. Um, talking about sign stealing and everything else, dude, everybody does that crap. You want to know what sign stealing is? Sign stealing is hiring the last guy that got fired from Michigan to be your play caller for one bowl game. That's what Nick Saban did that no one's talking about. That's sign stealing. Okay. And somehow it's legal that way. And the other way is cheating. It's like, give me a freaking break. Everybody does that stuff. That's why there's two dummy callers on the sidelines because people steal signs. Tell me, uh, could that cost them 59 points against UConn? Like, give me a break. Uh, but I do worry that he's going to go if he wins. And, um, you know, I don't know, man. He, he's, he's very attached to this team. And I think J.J. Uh, knocks a lot of the people's socks off when the combine comes up and goes way up the draft board. And I think once J.J. goes, um, I don't know. You know, I was on the plane down to Charlotte when he re- recruited Jaden Davis with Harbaugh. Um, true story. I was going down there to visit my son and he was flying down. Kid plays high school ball, like 10 minutes from away from my son's house at, uh, in Charlotte. And, uh, I had a conversation with him and, and I said, coach, I think I speak for all the Michigan faithful. when I say, we hope you retire coaching here. And, uh, he said, yeah, well, God willing and the Creek don't rise. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit of football politic, political, uh, response, you know, like, yeah. you know, don't, don't, don't count on it, but that would be nice is basically what it felt like. So. I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the NFL. I just hope that if he does it, he leaves Michigan in a good spot and not in the lurch and there isn't some big falling out where there's bridges burned and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah those will replace like some. Aren't the Raiders trying to give him some legendary contract? Like, uh, there's rumors up there like that with like free teams every year. Yeah, the, 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 the problem with the Raiders is you're dealing with a guy with the last name Davis. Like, as a guy who's a lifelong Raiders fan, like Al Davis's son, 
as an owner is no better than Al Davis was. You know, he is super, super critical of the team. He's willing to spend money on certain players and he's willing to spend money on certain coaches and he's willing to accept stuff from certain coaches, but he fires other people. I think the ideal scenario for, for the Las Vegas Raiders, God forbid they're in like their 15th city after, you know, all these years. But uh, honestly, I think what would happen is if they could work it out with Chucky, I would not be surprised if John Gruden goes back to, to LA or Las Vegas. And he's the reason he's the reason they didn't get Brady. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. Brady was yeah. going to the Raiders with Gronk and Gruden said, yeah. I got a quarterback and he was talking about Derek Carr. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. And then what, and then what happened, right? Then the coach let Derek Carr go, right? Well, right. Where's he at now? Oh yeah. Well, well, isn't he like the backup for the Aints? Anyway, that's enough pro football talk. If you want to talk pro football, actually, the Veteran Trash Talk Network actually does have a pro football. Yeah, we do that too. And so you might as well jump on that one. There's a ball and a score and a sound fan duel. We probably talked about it. Yeah, for sure. So let's run down the New Year's Six Bowls really quick. So you got the Fiesta Bowl, which is played on January 1st. That's at 1 p.m. on ESPN. You got Oregon and Liberty. I think that one will be a good game. I mean, Liberty is actually a solid running team. But uh, it just depends on if Bo Nix steps out on the field or how much he plays. Because I know he's dressing for the game. That's what the rumor has. But, uh, like, he said he's like, oh, the rest, but not play. That basically, he's given up six years of NFL career to play in college. So, I don't know yeah, how he I, give up anymore. Like, I, like I, think, I, I think he's actually announced that he's going to enter into the draft. But who knows, man? These kids can't make their mind up from one minute to the next. Uh, going up on the 30th, you've got uh, the Orange Bowl. you got Florida State and Georgia. That would be a great game if the teams were intact. You know, like if it was the teams that were going into like playoff contention in week 13 or week 15, I think it would have been a much better, much better contest. We'll see what the rosters look like when uh, they announce the starters. You got the Peach Bowl, which is uh, Penn State and Ole Miss. I think that one will be a good game. Penn State's got something to prove because they have to they have to break out of the middle tier of the Big Ten. So a good quality win against a solid SEC opponent will do that. But again, it goes back to who's playing and who's not. And then, of course, we've got the Cotton Bowl, which is Ohio State and Missouri. We've already talked about the other games that are going to be happening on uh, the first. And the first game kicks off at 5 p.m. on ESPN. And then the next one will be at 8. So you've got semifinal one at 5, semifinal two at 8 o'clock. Running down the bowl games so far, we haven't had that many. But uh, the American has six teams in. They're at 66%. The ACC is uh, – at 66%, they have they're two and one. Big Ten is two and one, or Big 12 is two and one. The Big Ten is the only undefeated team or undefeated conference in the bowl games right now, but that will probably change. You got Conference USA has four teams in there, so they got one game left to play. They're at uh, 66%. Independence, which is Notre Dame, they'll be playing here soon, and uh, we'll see what they can do. The MAC is uh, the MAC. Surprisingly, like if you wanted to be a bowl eligible team. The place to be right now is the Pac-12, the SEC, and believe it or not, the Sun Belt. So Sun Belt had 12 teams. It was real good this year. They yeah, Sun- qualified 12 teams. Yeah, Sun Belt had 12 teams in there. Now they're five and seven, but like law of averages, you got 12 teams in a bowl game. That's postseason, and that's great for the conference. But uh, since it's the end of the year, uh, I want to turn it over to you guys and just talk about you know the one player that you saw that like was the unsung hero. He wasn't a starter. May have been a starter, may not have been a starter, but kind of tell his story and, and what you think of that guy. Dana, we'll give it over to you first. 
Uh, give me freshman quarterback Ethan Vasco from the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Uh, backed up Grayson McCall and Grayson's McCall's backup. So he started as the number three on the depth chart. McCall got injured, and then I forgot what that kid was who came in and played real well against Marshall. And then he got injured, leaving them with Vasco. Um, you know, Grayson uh, McCall already left the team through the portal, so Vasco played in the bowl game, which they won. So now this kid is 3-1 and one as a starter, as a true freshman. I'm, as a freshman, I don't know if he's a true freshman, but anyway, as a freshman, only loss came against JMU when they were still world beaters. Led them to a convincing bowl win over a solid San Jose State team, completing 62.3% of his passes, rushing for almost six yards per carry. I don't know what you want, man. I mean, what's amazing is Coastal Carolina seems like they find these amazing quarterbacks, you know, year after year. How the hell does that happen? You know, if you can find Grayson McCall once in your collegiate career, that's amazing. But to then find the next one before that kid even graduates, that's nuts. Actually, I believe yeah. McCall's a grad transfer. But anyway. Uh, that, kid, that kid won me money. Amazing. They were nine-point dogs in that game against San Jose State. Nine-point dogs, and he went out there and won. I mean, all the Coastal fans at the Army game were super pissed that Vasco didn't start because he's their running quarterback. And so if you don't run against Army, then that means you're trying to throw, which is how your time of possession gets all offsided. And that is why they lost. Yeah, for, for a fact. So, Joe, how about you? Uh, man, I got to go with Mikey and new first-team All-American San Ristel. Uh Colonel Rob, you know you already know about this guy. Um, came to Michigan as a five foot nine wide out. Um, and switched to defense to see more playing time mid-career, which is really difficult to do and be productive. Preserved victory over Ohio State three years in a row. One year breaking up a touchdown pass that was a for sure thing on a guy that was five inches taller than him. Um, and went from a fourth wide out option to a first team All American and one of the greatest stories in college football all year long, in my opinion. Um, dude is all heart, maximum effort and energy, makes everyone better around him because he sets the bar higher. And he's five foot nine. And, and he's an All American safety at Michigan because he wasn't helping the team at wide out. And he thought, how can I help the team? And he might end up playing in the league now because he switched positions to see the field a little bit more. And the, anybody that does that, to me, it's just huge, you know, because Charles Woodson was being recruited to play tailback from every school coming out of high school that there was. Michigan's the only one that pitched him on playing defense. And uh, that's one of the things about Woodson that I love. That's one of the things about Samra still that I love is like, okay, so I can be on the field contributing to victories if I just lose my ego and do something completely different? Cool, I'm in. And, you know, to make first-team All-American, What's that? What are there five guys that are finalists for that award? And I guarantee you, he was the smallest. But the hit he laid on, uh, I think it was Travion Henderson in the Ohio State game coming out of the backfield. It, it just showed the dude is all heart and um, brought it in every game that was that was important. I think he had two two intercept two eighty yard interception returns for touchdowns in back to back seasons. He just uh, was a, always seemed to be at the right place, right time, and. Shows the kid out there that's five foot nine, one ninety. That if you want to work at it, you can play for pretty much anybody. So, kind of person that you want on your team. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think ultimately what it boils down to is like I think we've all kind of picked guys that uh, actually showed up. Uh, my guy, of course, and it's ironic that I'm wearing this number three because that's who it is. But it's Ishawn Marshall from from Army. So again, I'll be the homer for this one. But uh, 
So with the new change to the Army offense, they went into a more of a uh, shotgun, wide receiver, heavy offense. And so uh, as a senior, you know, Ajon Marshall was moved from the backfield to a wideout. And he started off as a as a wide receiver, had a couple had a couple like a couple bad fumbles early in the season. And, you know, for a team like Army that, you know, runs the ball 65 to 70 percent of the game, coach was not happy with that. And he got benched and we didn't see him for a couple of weeks. And uh, through the course of, you know, practicing his butt off, we didn't ever, ever saw how well he performed in practice. But the end result was he came back in the second half of the year and Army was a low scoring team in the second half. But he scored some pivotal touchdowns that ended up, you know, leading to wins for the Army team and, you know, balanced out their season at six and six, which was pretty incredible. He had a really long run in the Navy game, had a couple other great touches later on in the season after he got, you know, got over the dropsies. I mean, and it happens sometimes kids get in, you know, get into their head. They start thinking too much about getting to the next level or making a big play. And sometimes, you know, the best, you know, the big play is the best play. You know what I mean? Like, hey, <laughs> you know, if I step out of, you know, if I step out of bounds and save my quarterback time and a team a timeout, that's a much better play than me running towards the center of the field, trying to get an extra yard or two, dropping the ball and then, you know, turning the ball over or whatever. So I think it's just, it's one of those things is understanding how, you know, all these things interrelate. And I like to see guys that, uh, you know, turn their season around within the season, you know, because sometimes you see it, you know, like this guy will be an underclassman have some issues, and then he'll kind of get it squared away by the time, you know, the next football season comes around. But to see that kind of turnaround within the season and then have a guy score late touchdowns in the end of the year that actually made a difference, you know, gold star for that guy. They don't ruin that. I think it's hard to do with a team like Army. Sorry, Dano. No, it's but okay. I, they, I'm just, you know, they, they run the fake jet sweep to Marshall on almost every play, but they don't actually – give it to him often enough you know and the navy game's a good example they ran it twice and he averaged something like 19 yards per carry it's like you know you yeah you could stand and do that thing four times <laughs> at least at least run yeah. it and stop it even when he's not touching the ball it means when they're doing that fake jet sweep that he's affecting every single oh, play absolutely. and it takes a serious commitment from a guy to say hey look you might fake 27 times this game and get four carries yeah and and then sure. to not be littered with NFL talent all around you, like at a school like Michigan, and to still do it, I think that takes a certain level of self-discipline and commitment to saying, I'm going to get better and make the team better. I think it's harder to do at a place like Army because Army always plays up. You know, outside of the service academies, if they're playing D1, they're usually playing a team that's just littered with, with much more funds and talent and size than they are because it's the Army, and, and they can't recruit the same way that other schools can yeah, but uh, I legitimately think all three of those players were, were great choices, gentlemen. I, I mean, yeah, I watched uh, Vasco, and the kid's numbers were, were gross, man. Like, yeah. like, this kid's a freshman coming off the bench. Like, why wasn't he starting? You know, he and you have a three. Yeah, and you have a – but, you know, we've also seen, we've also seen like, the number three guy rise to the top as well, you know, with, like, Cardell Jones and, and dudes like that yeah. ilk. And those guys are, are they're not the rarity. It just happens to be they are on a super talented team with a lot of great talent. And they just, you know, something happens, whether it be in practice, whether it be academically, that prevents them from bumping up into that number two slot. And so, but I uh, always like to see people that work hard. And speaking of working hard, we'll pass it over to Dan for the next read. 
Yeah, so if you have been with us for a while, hopefully you have, uh, you know that Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending for Draper & Kramer in Chicago, is the sponsor of this show. He's a member of the West Point Class of 1994, licensed to lend in all 50 states, but based out of Chicago. Friends, Craig is one of the largest VA lenders in the country. He specializes in doing VA lending to veterans. Uh, that is why he sponsors our show, right? No surprise there. He's going to offer you super competitive rates, give you the best deal he possibly can. And I, like, I don't know if you guys have bought a house before, but the mortgage process is confusing. Interest rates move all over the place. You're trying to figure out like what the right move is. And it's just not the time to deal with some clown who just looks at you as a paycheck, somebody that they can make a buck off of, some minus big box bank, some call center, whatever. Like This is how the West Point Network functions. Craig is helping us stay in business here at Astro Football, and we're helping you get the best deal on a mortgage that you possibly can by introducing you to the very man that you can meet. And if you call Craig, dude, he is actually going to pick up the phone, not like some minion, you know, not not some person in some other country who, you know, just picks up calls, whatever. Um, Craig does not charge lending fees for veterans. It's an incredible savings, like thirteen hundred bucks. Get that money, thirteen hundred bucks. Craig Oxane, Vice President of Residential Lending at Draper & Kramer. His link is on our website. Just go to askforfootball.com. There's a little button. Click over there. Fill out a little questionnaire. You'll be talking to, uh, to Craig in a couple of hours. Like, it is too easy. So, back to you. Thanks, Dano. All right, so it's a moment you've all been waiting for. Uh, I mean, we've given out a lot of end-of-year awards. We've got the Heisman Trophy. The All-Americans have been announced. However, I know you guys have been waiting with bated breath for Joe's Blue Falcon of the Year. So, Joe, floor is yours. Please tell us who lives in infamy. Tunin Bulldogs and Seminoles fans, I got your back on this one. Um, honestly, gentlemen, I know that it's old news and it was all over ESPN for weeks, but we haven't got a chance to really take a deep dive on our show into what could possibly be the biggest blue falcon of the college football college football bowl scene and that is the selection committee i know they were faced with an imperfect system to make a hundred percent accurate decision so i'm going to take the time to say this that if you can't admit that you don't work and this system is never going to please the college football universe then you are the biggest blue falcons of the college football season because you broke a lot of fans' hearts of teams that went 13-0, and 12-1. And I'm just like the next guy. A few years ago, I wanted to see UCF season end like the movie Old Yeller. Give them what they want. Feed them to Alabama. Shut these goofballs up. You know, and, you know, there was so much unre unrest and disdain after the picks came out in certain circles that it can't be ignored any longer. And... All of these bowl games in existence that 40% of the team's starting roster is playing, it may they maybe have to have to be a sacrificial lamb for a legit eight-team playoff to be created. I know the money is there. If the option is to cut the Motor City Bowl uh, and bowls of that nature so we can get an eight-team playoff, then I don't know a college football fan that's going to say no to that. For crying out loud, Minnesota had to pay their third-string quarterback 30 grand to come to Detroit and play Bowling Green yesterday. And even though they made most of the opportunity, give me a friggin' break. All right. 18 playoff or bust, 18 playoff or you selection committee are the most diabolical blue falcon of the season. Thanks, Joe. That's it. Very nice. Yeah. Joe. Uh, well, it's a fair point, man. And I think legitimately, you know, 
here's here's the problem though. You go to a ten team playoff, you go to a twelve team playoff. Like the only way that they can do it is legitimately capture all the conference championships across the Power Five and the you know, the. I only say power five. It's like power 3.5 and the group of five teams, you know, because if you can get all the conference champions in, then nobody has an argument, right? So if you have a, a, a conference champion, and then again, I would much rather squabble over two slots, you know, of a 10 team or four slots of a 12 team playoff, than look at what we saw a 13 and no Florida state team get left, left behind. You know, of all the of all the teams, like yes, we understand. Bama has the lineage. Bama has the history. Saban is a great coach. There's no denying that. Everybody knows all roads lead through the SEC. We get it. But the committee painted themselves into a corner when they said the SEC champion is going into the the playoff. Right when they said that, it's like okay, they literally just cut the legs off of whoever loses that game between Georgia and Bama. I think the hope was that Bama would go out there and lay an egg against Georgia. But you have to think, Kirby is in freaking Saban's coaching tree, so he probably knows his tendencies, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, since they're both defensive coaches and they're defensive-minded coaches. So it's like, hey, and Dano bought this up, you know, why do you run a double spy on Jalen Milrow? Like, yeah, the kid is good, but, like, when you have two linebackers sitting there in the middle of the field not doing anything other than watching the quarterback, that's a whole lot of action going on around those guys that led to points for, for Alabama. And then for Florida State, you know, yes, there's a big question mark at quarterback. We get it. However, given time and rest, their number two quarterback is going to hopefully should be starting in the bowl game if he plays. You know, he's healed up. He's eligible. He can play. So I think it was just a very, very poor decision. And Sadly, I think the bowl committee just doesn't have the guts to say, hey, look, we picked the four teams with the biggest fan bases that are going to bring the most money into the playoff to have the most competitive games. Exactly. You can have the most eyeballs watching that three hours of football. If they would just say but that. Did. Let me caveat on that. Just one thing about last year was the, was the perfect example of that. Tell me that TCU should have been seated above Ohio State. They got seated above Ohio State because nobody would have tuned in to watch Michigan and Ohio State play each other in the semifinals, which is exactly what would have happened. And then in the national title, you would have had a closer game because Georgia would have thumped TCU. Michigan and Ohio State come out of that game. Michigan won the first meeting, and then Ohio State took Georgia right down to the wire in the semifinal. Yep. One point. So it, it was about money because it the seating was a little off because – did Michigan choke? Yep. Two pick sixes. Can't do that in the semifinals. Um, but they only lost by five. And then TCU goes on to get trounced by Georgia um, when the better game for Georgia was was Ohio State. Yeah. Well, and the other piece of it is, is like you even go back to the year before that when you had, you know, Cincinnati made it. Like, hey, we had a first group of five team making it to the 14 playoff. Cool. Guess what happened to them? They didn't even make it past the semifinals. They didn't even have a chance in the semis. You know, the, Guess what? The ref just jumped out of the way, and now you have to drop the gloves and fight. And that's Bob Probert. Like, like, yeah. stop chirping. Now you got to play the game. Yeah, and 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 that's and and I think that's legitimately a problem, right? And, and again, 
we all know that college football is about money. That's why there's, you know, 97,000 bowls. That's why the, the bowl game that used to be in the Bahamas is now stateside. Like, why? Because it's cheaper to do it stateside than it is to fly all those kids over to the Bahamas. Yep. And you make more money for the school by doing it somewhere local. We all understand that. All we need is a little bit of honesty, man. Like, college football playoff committee, come out and say, hey, look, guys, like, we're about S's and C's, right? We're going to put the most eyeballs on this game, whether that be from the viewing audience, whether that be in the stadium. We just want, you know, full up, like, like good Lord, if you watch the Army-Navy game, USAA got every penny that they paid for advertising in the Army-Navy game. Like, fact. Yeah. Why? Because the game was close and it went all the way to the end. That's all that we want because that's great for advertisers because every time there's a commercial break, you have three and a half minutes of commercials. It's like, oh, hey, this guy went down with a hangnail. Let's go to a commercial. They go to a commercial and they come back and the guy's still getting his hangnail checked out. Like, come on, guys. You know, but it's all about that, that ad revenue. And we understand that. And that's what college football is turning into. Unfortunately, I think there are ways that you could still maximize the profits and I think, you know, rarely if I ever agree with Stephen A. Smith, rarely if I ever do. But Stephen A. Smith came out and he made a statement. And he was like, hey, there was a coach. He's at Colorado right now that wanted to coach at Florida State. Had a certain coach by the name of Deion Sanders been the coach at Florida State and they would have been 13-0, and you best believe that they would be in the playoff. Because Deion, Good point. Because Deion brings I don't, I don't, I don't always agree with him. Uh, as long as you don't agree with Paul Feinbaum, we don't have a problem. But uh, uh, the caricature of a caricature that lives in Nick Saban's back pocket. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Dion wouldn't have had it. He wouldn't have had it, and he and he would have brought the dollar signs with him. That's why South Alabama just played a bowl game in their home stadium because yeah. they want the stadium to be full. You know, so it but yeah, about money. And and and. And nobody is against that. Like, look, with NIL, there's like college football is wide open. So the NCAA has to make money off of the players in some other fashion, sadly. And it's the college football playoff. Anyway, we have talked enough about this. Looking forward to the games this weekend. Hey, this is the second to the last show of the college football roundtable. We want one more, which will be the post blast analysis after the college football championship in a couple weeks. And uh, we look forward to bringing that to you. Until then, Happy New Year. And for the team here at College Football Roundtable, I'm Rob Dang, or Colonel. We've got Dano Icapesa calling from Coastal Connecticut and Trigger Joe from the home of the big house. And we will talk to you guys very soon. And as always, beat Navy. Beat them. Let's go blue. Thanks for listening to the Ask for Football College Football Roundtable. Join the AFF team for more hot takes and college football analysis. You can sign up for our mailing list at askforfootball.com forward slash subscribe. Or you can follow us on all social media platforms at Ask for Football. And as always, beat Navy.